Hello, folks. This is your host, Tammy Tucky, and you are now listening to the Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney magic. Whether they be singers, actors, Imagineers, animators, they have all made their mark on the Disney name. Be sure to check out the show notes, other episodes, contests, our social media pages from Facebook to Twitter, and more on our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. All guest opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop de doo day. I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest, animator Bob Scott, to the show. Welcome, Bob. Hi. Nice to be here. I'm so glad we could just get to talk Disney today. So, And we're going to talk about some other things other than Disney and current projects you've been working on. But I thought we'd first start into the beginnings, the beginnings of you, Bob. You know, what exactly inspired you to be an animator? Well, as most animators will probably tell you, um, especially my generation, it was it was television. The fact that you could watch cartoons on TV Saturday morning. And the wonderful world of Disney was on every Sunday. And that was kind of the go-to show for myself, my brothers, and my family was to watch watch that every week, especially when there was a cartoon on there, when it was Halloween and they'd have a Donald Duck cartoon with a Halloween theme or, or, or such. Um, that was just the best because you didn't get 24 hours of animation the way you do now, you know, so it was really special when those shows would come on. And then, of course, after school, Tom and Jerry, Bugs Bunny. And then I have really um, fond memories of my dad taking me to see The Jungle Book. Um, I have two younger brothers, uh, and I think I was pretty young. It was probably a re-release, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. But I remember being very small and I, my dad just taking me. So my brothers must have been too young to go to a movie theater. And I just, I absolutely fell in love with it. I mean, I just loved the movie, loved the animation. Didn't really know why it looked different than, you know, a Saturday morning show. You know, a more limited animation or whatever. I just I just knew it felt alive and... I was hooked. I mean, as as a kid, I just I, I loved it all. So I love that you mention the cartoons, especially or TV shows, because I grew up watching the Goofy shorts, the older ones, and then Sport Goofy for soccer for the Soccer Mania cartoon. Yeah, oh, that was great because I loved Goofy as a kid. I, 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 all the ones where he was um, doing sports and trying to ski, or you know, those those types were just so funny. And then also the ones where um, Goofy was, uh, uh, you know, had road rage and we, you know, they did a whole cartoon where he <laughs> was super nice and happy and, and mild mannered. And as soon as he got in the car, you know, he was the, um, the angry driver and those were so funny. So that was a great character that I grew up with and loved. And, and, um, that was done, uh, at the time I was, I was still at CalArts and there were a lot of CalArts students that, um, the original director of that, his name is Daryl Van Sitters. He's gone on to create Renegade Animation Studios, and they do the new Tom and Jerry shows and Hi Hi Puffy Ami Yumi and all kinds of commercials and stuff. Anyways, at that time, he had a um, kind of an offshoot of the main Disney studio uh, in Burbank, or maybe actually it might have been in Glendale. I'm trying to remember exactly, but I think it was Glendale called Special Projects, and he was directing 
this uh, featurette that was going to be released theatrically. And he was mining a lot of new talent at, at CalArts. So uh, a bunch of us, I can't even remember or recall how it happened, but he was looking for animators to, to freelance on this, um, young people uh, who were still in school, as a matter of fact. So a lot of us um, went down, showed our portfolios, and got scenes to animate. And so I was on it for a very short time. I didn't even actually end up getting screen credit. But it was a good experience. It was it was um, the first professional animation I think I ever did that I got paid for. And um, I honestly didn't even know what I was doing when I think back on it because I was used to animating my own stuff at at CalArts and not working with an assistant, you know, not even thinking about how someone was going to clean this up or how someone would do the in-between drawings, you know, so that was kind of a learning curve. We were all kind of learning. And I remember um, one of my friends who did some assistant work on me. I didn't chart anything. I don't know if a lot of people know what, what animation charts are. Um, they don't really use them anymore in computer animation. But And also it was exciting. It was the first time seeing any animation I did in color, which was unique, you know, at CalArts at that time we would just do pencil tests. Um, now people can do more finished films with computers and everything, but back then you would have had to paint, you know, hundreds and hundreds of cells and it would just take forever. And, you know, you're, you were really concentrating on just becoming a better animator and drawing everything in pencil tests. So that was exciting to see things in color and seeing how different it looked in color because things tend to slow down slightly when you see it, um, with solid colors. So that was a learning curve as well, you know, learning how it's going to look once it's painted. Um, but it was a great experience. And Daryl, Daryl's a great director. He had directed a um, short called Fun with Mr. Future, which is a great Disney short. I think you can find it on YouTube. Really, really funny, kind of a UPA, Tex Avery style, um, which Daryl's really good at. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was fun. That was a really fun project to be part of. When I found yeah. this credit that is non-Disney just today, I was like, no way. No way. You worked on Miriam from The Prince of Egypt, which that film is probably one of my favorite animated films of all time that is non-Disney. And yes. can you talk about how you got involved with this project in particular and, and what was what was the discussion on the style? Yeah, that film, um, it's interesting because I worked on that coming right off of Catstone Dance. And you couldn't find two polar opposites of animation styles. <laughs> you know, I mean, one is very realistic, Prince of Egypt, and the other, of course, is very cartoony. And I, um, I really was interested in it because it was something I hadn't done. I really saw it as a challenge um, to do something more realistic. I mean, I love cartoony animation. As I said, that's my favorite favorite style to animate in. But I really just wanted to, to learn this. And I, I, I felt really flattered when uh, Brenda Chapman um, asked me to come work on it. And, you know, I interviewed and, and uh, they were willing to take a gamble with me in a sense because I hadn't done that, anime, that style of animation. But they believed in me that I could, could do it. And it was a, just a steep learning curve for me on that one. I really I learned so much and so many really amazing animators um, that worked on that. Uh, just, you know, James Baxter and, uh, you know, just incredible people that that I feel like I learned a lot from. So, um, yeah, that was I, I really was lucky to work on that. So I supervised Miriam and we had a small team of a few other animators. 
and um, it was yeah, it was it was uh, it turned out really well. I thought they did a great job. Did you ever get to meet Sandra Bullock to kind of take from her mannerisms for the role, or did you get to just see video footage of her? I did. I actually got to meet her. Yeah, I met her and went to one of the recording sessions with her and Jeff Goldblum. Uh, Brenda was there and Simon uh, Wells and the and uh, Steve Hickner, the directors. And uh, yeah, they, they wanted the animators to go to at least one recording session. I believe all the other animators got to go to one as well with their character and watch them record. And uh, it was great. It was really, it was, it's really fun to see uh, what the actors bring to the to the table because you can read the script yourself and kind of imagine how the character is going to talk, but the actor always makes a choice that you would, you know, they're so good. They're so she's such a great actor actress Sandra Bullock. She brings something to the character that you I just would never have thought of. And they would and they videotaped all the performances, so we had that to look at. To, to kind of study. And speaking of voice work, you know, I, I see a couple credits of you as an animator for projects like Monsters, Inc. and The Incredibles. So I didn't know if you could go into a little bit more detail as to how you get involved with that other creative aspect of making the film. Oh, yeah, that's that's a really fun thing that um, a lot of animation studios kind of do now. But I think Pixar was sort of the first one to do that they would, you know, use a lot of the um, the the story artists and different animators and stuff who could do voices, do the scratch dialogue for stuff. And sometimes they would keep it in. And um, that's the case for me with Monsters Incorporated. I would get called in for, for scratch for different things. And uh, they ended up keeping a few things. And actually, you know, John liked, John Lasseter liked the voice I did in Monsters and they were going to replace it and they ended up, they liked it and, and it actually, you know, stayed in the movie. So that was, that was really a thrill to be able to be in a, you know, in a movie like that. And it's, and it's, you know, a couple lines, it's not very much, but then other people like Pete Stone uh, ended up doing the, uh, you know, he was doing the scratch for Ratatouille. So, yeah, so that's, that's kind of a nice thing that, that uh, studios do a little bit more of uh, at Disney as well. Um, you know, Rich Moore did some voices in, in um, Wreck-It Ralph and different people end up getting little bit parts here and there. So that that's really fun because as a kid, I loved uh, I loved trying to do voices, too, when I was a kid watching cartoons. And Mel Blanc, I'd see his name on everything. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh, that guy can do every voice. He's, a, he's hilarious. And I remember my dad telling me, well, he used to do voices for Jack Benny. Like, he knew that he was on the Jack Benny show and, and was, you know, so... That was that was a lot of fun. The one that I did in Monsters Inc. is um, the uh, the sushi bar gets gets destroyed because Boo is there. You know, a human child isn't supposed to be in the monster world. She's been discovered, and so Mike and Sully are trying to get her out of the place, and they end up destroying the place. And then there's um, news footage where they're interviewing the different monsters, and I ended up doing the scratch for. Uh, the character, I don't know if I get to do the voice as well as I did before, but he says she tried to pick me up with her mind powers and shook me like a doll. And so that was the idea. And, and they ended up using it. And then also I got to reprise that voice for the Monsters, Inc. ride. If you go to Disneyland, there's the ride and they come across that character. So there's a bunch of additional lines that I did of him just talking about, you know, the human oh, child. So cool. and saw her everything. So, 
So I actually have a voice in Disneyland too. So that was that was pretty cool. <laughs> you have the life, don't you, Bob? You are in an attraction. You're in films. Ah, oh, I'm so jealous. And you met Sandra Bullock. Yeah, no, I, I feel I feel very lucky, very fortunate. And there's been so much that has happened since you have moved on from working for the Disney Studios, and and you now have a book called Molly and the Bear. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the inspiration to creating this book. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I've always drawn comic strips. That's all. That's kind of my second love, or maybe equal love to animation. But I. Um, you know, I've always sent comic strips out to syndicates. Even since I was a kid, I remember sending my first kind of package out to uh, King Features and getting my rejection letter or whatever. But that was kind of another dream of mine was to be a syndicated comic strip artist like Charles Schultz and Walt Kelly, who does who did Pogo and all these great strips that I remember reading as a kid. And um, so it's something that I just never stopped doing. And then with... Um, you know, online, being able to put your comic strips up there, you know, anybody can post to a blog or Facebook or whatever. Um, years back, several years back, I started posting them and, and then got the attention of um, Go Comics, which is Universal Press Syndicate. And they syndicate Doonesbury and Calvin and Hobbs. And um, now they syndicate um, Garfield and and even the New Bloom Counties. Um, they picked it up as as a strip for Go Comics, so I draw about two new ones a week, um, sometimes one a week, and I I just I love doing it. And it's um, the, the, these two characters that I've drawn for years, uh, Molly, who's an 11 year old girl who actually has a pet bear. She he's a real bear, and he's afraid of everything. He left the woods because you know it's too dangerous. There's there's hunters out there. There's campers. There's so there's there's it could be forest fires. I mean he he just wasn't cut out for the wild. So he ends up um, sneaking into Molly's house one day and falling asleep on the couch, and and she convinces her parents to to keep him. And she's kind of his caretaker. He's afraid of everything. And uh, so that's kind of the basis of the strip and it just kind of him adjusting to the or the family adjusting to him and him adjusting to the to the world. And of course, dad has a harder time adjusting to bear. You know, he'd rather just have his family back the way it was. But uh, yeah, so I, I draw it um, old school with pencil and paper and um, bristle board and ink it with a brush. And I scan them in the computer and and post them. And, and there was enough of a enough strips uh, that finally um, I talked with a publisher, Cameron and Company in Petaluma, and they decided they would, would publish it. And so, yeah, now it's a book and it's been out um, for since March and doing, doing pretty well. I've gone to conventions and signed books and, and um, yeah, so it's, it's fun. It, it's like kind of a dream come true to have, have a comic strip. I don't have the pressure of the day to day full time, you know, I, I get to do my day job in animation and then come home and on weekends uh, work on this. And it's really fun to have a have a book out there and, and continue to do it. I, I just love doing it. It's one of those things I can do, you know, spend two or three hours on one strip and it's done. It's three or four panels. Yeah. So that and that's out. Yeah, that's out now. It's at Amazon and I have an Etsy store and um, it's even in bookstores, um, you know, uh, comic shops and, and those types of places. So. 
And I'm going to put the links to the Amazon store and the Etsy store in sure. the show notes below so our listeners can go ahead and directly buy a copy. And and you know what? Before we end, I have three Disney-themed questions I almost forgot sure. about. <laughs> so the first one is the Donald one, which is, as a child, what Disney film was one of your favorites to see in the movie theater? Oh, easily Jungle Book. That was that was the one. That was my favorite. Favorite, favorite Disney movie, I'd say. Um, and the second would be Pinocchio, I think. And our goofy question, what Disney character do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person? Oh boy, I don't know. That's a tough one. Blue the Bear. And our Mickey question, if I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to mind? Well, because you said Mickey Mouse, immediately what came to mind was Steamboat Willie, and I pictured Mickey uh, whistling that tune (laughs) in the the beginning of the cartoon. But that's probably because you said Mickey Mouse, so I'm not sure (laughs) what it would normally be. But that, that came to mind immediately. I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show, Bob. This was a lot of fun, and I really hope we get to have you back to talk about maybe a follow-up book to Molly and the Bear. You never know what will happen. (laughs) That's right. I would love to. Thank you so much. This is really fun kind of going down memory lane and trying to remember stuff. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. You do a great show. And I know a lot of animators enjoy listening to it. So... tried to run from it, but it picked me up with its mind powers and shook me like a doll. It's true! I saw the whole thing!